Hey guys, jumping in real quick to tell you about the sponsor for this week's episode, the Satchel Podcast Player. If you like podcasts, you're going to want to check this out. There's no third-party ads, no on-screen ads, nothing like that. It's a great way to get connected with the content that you're listening to. You can even tweet directly into the podcast that you're listening to and even send a few dollars along to the podcast. For example, right now, if you like listening to Flash TV Talk, you could send us like, I don't know, $2, $3, $10, however much you feel like we're worth. You can do that directly in the Satchel Podcast Player. It's a great player. You got to check it out. If you're a podcaster, you can register your podcast at satchelplayer.com. Accelerating your fandom. This is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell, man. How you doing tonight? Uh, well, this morning. Yeah, that's. I, I realized it after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast, man. Most of the people who are listening to this have no earthly idea when we record it one way or the other. But safe to say they do know that things are different this week. Uh, we posted it out on Facebook and Twitter as well. So just in case you're, list- you're a listener, but you know, follow us there, or you didn't, you missed it. Uh, this particular week, obviously our scheduling is a little bit off because we are in America and, uh, and we had a holiday. We had uh, Thanksgiving, which was a lot of fun. Bell, how was your Thanksgiving? It was fantastic. I went to Fort Lauderdale to visit my uh, sister and her husband and their five kids and my mom and dad and brother were there. So it was, it was the whole immediate family. And uh, it was fun. Had yeah. a good time. Ate a lot of food. It's good, man. That's what you got to do. I, I had a, uh, a quite the feast as well. Turkey, cornbread, oyster dressing, sweet potatoes with the, uh, you know, the little marshmallows on top of it. Basically, I ate like the flash without the metabolism to back it up. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I need to get out there and actually get some, uh, some running done in, in the coming days here. But here's the thing. We were in a situation where traveling and, and everything being what it was, we weren't able to record in our normal time. And if you have listened to me for any stretch of time, any of the work that I've done professionally, you know that uh, I believe in kind of the, the three core tenets of podcasting, the three pillars of podcasting, which are quality, chemistry, and consistency. And when something goes amiss, you have to trade on one of those things. So I had backup guests, uh, which which unfortunately also fell through. I could have tapped somebody kind of at random to come on board, but the chemistry might not have been there. Uh, I could have also tried it by myself, but the quality certainly wouldn't have been there. And so I decided that uh, this particular week, the consistency took a little bit of a ding. We're getting this one out to you about two days late. Uh, hopefully, things will be smooth sailing from here on out. I say that. Actually, next week is when we've got the uh, the, the crazy DC TV crossover going on with, uh, with you know the big grand event between Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, also Legends of Tomorrow. Um, we'll stick around uh, later in the show. We'll explain kind of how we're going to handle that. But for now, man, I say we jump into this amazing episode of The Flash. Let's do it. The, the Rundown. Episode 7 of Season 3, Killer Frost. Directed by Kevin Smith and story by... Judelina Neria. Bell, what happened this episode? Well, rather than straight up kill Barry, Savitar opts instead to race the Flash across the city, then fiercely batters him to demonstrate its superiority. Uh, Cisco and Caitlin arrive and rescue Barry, but Savitar flees. Caitlin, now mentally unbalanced, violently interrogates one of Alchemy's followers at CCPD headquarters, then abducts Julian and coerces him to find other acolytes in order to find Alchemy and have him remove her powers. Barry and Cisco track her down and imprison her, but the team is fractured after she reveals Barry's role in Dante's death by creating Flashpoint. Greatly concerned and disregarding the consequences, Joe breaks Wally out of the cocoon. Wally emerges with unmanageable speed powers and he races away in a confused state. 
Barry offers his life to Caitlin for her freedom and a successful attempt to restore her sanity and gain her help in treating Wally. Joe and Barry locate Wally and stabilize his condition with Caitlin's serum, and Wally soon embraces his new abilities. Julian forces Barry to resign from the CCPD in exchange for him protecting Caitlin from the police. Julian is later revealed to be unwillingly working for Savitar as Dr. Alchemy. Dun, dun, dun. What? It was that guy? I mean, did anyone see that coming? I mean, did, did anyone not see that one coming? <laughs> I guess that's what I meant to say, because I mean, like, it's, it's not like, you know, Malfoy didn't work for a Dark Lord or anything. No, see, <laughs> you think he's getting tight cast? Is that, is that what we're... Is as the lackey for a Dark Lord? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. No, man. We got, we got a lot. There's, there's a lot to talk about in this episode. Honestly, oh, this is... I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it, and I think this is fair, and it's been a great season so far. Best episode of the season so far? Yeah. I would say so. Yeah, I mean, amazing stuff happening here. Big reveals. This episode really hit the ground running with Savitar v. Barry, right? I mean, like, you know, we we talked about it last episode in terms of Savitar, the the appearance of him, uh, you know, who he is, who he could be. That was kind of the core of our speculation last time around. But here's the thing, man. This, this is the first time, you know, would, I, I, it kind of reminds me, uh, let me put it this way. It takes me back to the first battle, the first race, the first fight that Barry had with Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I want to say the same thing happened in the first fight with Reverse Flash. It's basically like Barry gets beat up and then drug around the city. <laughs> right, right, right. Like that, that's, that's the MO for all of Flash's villains. It's like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to drag you around the city. Or in this case wormhole you through the city? I don't well, know what Savitar was doing. It was pretty neat. So that's the thing. I mean, there has been kind of a one-upping every single time, right? Like, Reverse Flash, you're right, the first time that Flash fights the Reverse Flash, you know, there's that thing like, oh, Barry's the fastest man alive. Nope. Not right now. Uh, and then he has to get faster. He beats him. Then Zoom comes in, and Zoom, like, cranks it up to 11 in terms of, like, you know, he is outrunning the Flash, but on top of that, like, you know, he even catches Barry's lightning and throws it right back at him. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, this is, it's a, it's, we're like in a whole new ball game, whole new territory here. This one with Savitar, you're right. He's not only faster than Barry, he's like on a different plane of existence than Barry. He is as fast. So, so Savitar is to Barry what Barry is to a normal person. Right, which right. Is, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, kind of, not quite that, but close, right? Like, he did make mention of the fact that, you know, while Savitar was running, even when Barry is super speeding, it seems like he is, you know, like, that. there is that differentiation there. But, like, when when Savitar runs, what, what I think is so cool is, like, he literally is a flash, right? Like, we kind of see his lightning, but mostly, like, once he takes off, he's, like, gone. It's, it's almost like he ripped open time and space to get from point A to point B. Yeah, I, I feel like that's what he's doing because, like, when he's carrying Barry across the city, you're not seeing the city flash by him. He's like in some sort of weird tunnel portal thing. All right, so here's the question though: Was that portal thing? I, I think. I mean, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Was that the Speed Force? Because in the comics, Barry has gone into the Speed Force, and it is oftentimes, you know, depicted as kind of this portal swirling around albeit not blue and black but like this kind of uh almost like this interdimensional hallway type deal i you know when he was in the speed force last season i thought it was more bright and yellow and not blue and like cold looking you know it was well, more like bright and warm 
Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing. The 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 aesthetic is completely different from what we've seen in the show. So, what is that? Where where See, is? I, I think it's something different. I think it's something he is manipulating, like space time, maybe, and like traveling through wormholes. Interesting. So this kind of gets back to the, the the theory that we kicked around last time that maybe you know he's the god of speed, but maybe it, it has more to do with his manipulation of time. Uh, yeah, well, space time. I still think it's a false god narrative. Like, I think that, you know, I think that whatever he is pulling from, you know, Amy in the chat saying perhaps it's the reverse speed force, and and that may be the case. However, you know, if if what we saw with reverse flash was the reverse speed force, the negative speed force, uh, and that was depicted as red lightning, we're back at this blue lightning, which is the same as zoom which we know Zoom was not necessarily connected to the Speed Force unless, you know, or, or we don't, we, I guess I say that. Do we know, actually, did we ever figure out exactly what Zoom's situation was in terms of where his speed was coming from? Well, I thought he got his speed when he got, you know, struck by lightning when he was being electrocuted or whatever. So maybe he was connected to the Speed Force in that regard, but he lost it when he tried to get faster and faster and faster uh, because, you know, his his lightning went from, because, you know, when he was imitating the Flash, he had the yellow lightning. That's true. That's true. And it was it was the V9, right? Like he would. Or v- yeah. Yeah. He would he would shoot up with it, temporarily get yellow lightning. And and so we even talked about perhaps it was like trying to make a connecting call to the speed force, essentially. And so that if and we saw this with um, uh, with velocity where, you know, if you know you got the you got the yellow lightning. But if you're not a speedster, if you can't quite make the full connection, then it turns blue and tears you apart. Yeah, and you get like absorbed by the speed force or something. I don't know. Right. Ah. See, this is the thing. The, the season two was such a kind of a gear shift late in the game that I forgot the rules that were established with Jay and Zoom. I need to go back and <laughs> rewatch that entire season and take notes <laughs> so that I can. Yeah, yeah. Or get, or get the Cliff Notes version, maybe. I'm just saying that we've got a similar aesthetic going on with this blue lightning, right? Like blue equals bad. Uh, but, but, but what kind of bad? Cause we got red equals bad in first season. We got blue equals bad in season two here. We've got a return of the blue, albeit in a completely and totally different way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I, I, my inclination is to think that because he's just popping in and out of areas like across the city super fast, that it's something that's different from the speed force, something that appears more powerful. But like you said earlier, it's like a false God kind of narrative where he just found a loophole. Uh, to 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 appear to make himself be faster than he actually is, like a fake speed force. I don't know that it's the. I don't think it's the reverse speed force because I don't think that Savitar is like that. Are the negative speed force? We we use those interchangeably. It's the negative speed force in the comics. Um, but I don't. I don't think that Savitar is. Um, like I don't think he is the devil. Like we we talked about it a little bit, right? Like if if Barry is the quote unquote god of speed, then perhaps Savitar is the devil. I don't even think it's that. I think he's an idol. I think he is he's a false god. And so I don't think he's like a one for one alternative. I think he's carved his little side thing, side gig, and he is trying to circumvent Barry as kind of this deity within the speed force. I know we're kind of getting into high concept here, but but when you're talking about, you know, literally the god of speed, it's gonna be high <laughs> concept. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he referred to himself as. So we kind of have to like roll with that. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's it's weird though, because it's unlike anything we've seen, but it's also kind of similar. You know, we talked about it with Zoom with the blue lightning, and then we have the blue lightning for Savitar. And the fact that no one can see him but Barry and Alchemy. 
like that. There, there's something there's something weird about that, too, which makes me think that there's something different about Savitar and that he's not connected with the Speed Force and he's got some kind of d- different way of manipulating things to make it uh, appear as if he is super duper fast. You know, you know what I think there's th- there's an opportunity right now in the series, you know, with with the new character of H.R., He's so good at like just pointing out the obvious. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 his deal. Perhaps at some point HR should be like, "Hey, why is his lightning blue and Barry's is yellow?" And like the entire team looks at him and be like, "Oh yeah, why why is that the case?" Yeah, it's like, "Huh?" <laughs> like Barry, it, what what do you what do you think? And then we get our explanation. <laughs> exactly. Like like perhaps, you know, one of the things is HR has kind of started to grow on me. He started to grow on the team. He started to kind of find his place. Um, you know, even though he was trying to get at, you know, Joe's lady friend, he, <laughs> you know, you steal your girl, <laughs> right? He has actually come into the picture as kind of stating the obvious in a way that actually is helpful to the team, right? Like, you know, even, even in this scenario where, you know, Barry's getting trashed by Savitar, he's like, Hey, I got an idea. Uh, he's, we got one-on-one superpowers. We got two superpower people right here. How about you guys go and tag team with him? You know, like they're all sitting there behind the computer trying to calculate the the exact measurement of speed and how the speed is working and all of this other stuff. And it's like, yeah, Barry's going to die out there. Maybe someone should go help him. Hey, I got an idea. <laughs> you guys go to. Yeah, it, it, it's like HR is the guy because, you know, when they're when they're focused on that kind of stuff, they get tunnel vision. And HR is the guy who's kind of like he doesn't have the blinders on that exactly. Team Flash has had from from being in the thick of this and all this experience that they have, all the things they've, they've faced before. They they just they get into this tunnel vision and HR just kind of takes the blinders off. And he's like, hey, guys, why don't we, you know, I don't know, double team him. <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh, yeah, we have powers, too. <laughs> There is, you know, I, I used to always say, um, uh, you know, whenever trying to work through creative problem solving, I would grab somebody at random and pull them in just because I need a fresh pair of eyes. And that's exactly. and that's what HR is. He's a fresh pair of eyes on this. So maybe he might be able to jump in and explain that. Now, when he does say you guys go in uh, to save the day, one thing that I don't think he knew or at least had the perspective on is just how effective Caitlin in particular would be for combating a speedster. Now they established it in season one with captain cold and, and the cold gun in general, that cold is essentially not cold. The person, but cold, the temperature is essentially like the kryptonite to speedsters. Um, you know, the way that the cold gun powers work are very similar, of course, here to, to Caitlin's in that it slows everything rapidly, like slows the molecules around the speedster, robbing them of their speed. So much so that even Savitar, the quote unquote, God of speed, uh, is frozen in place despite the fact that she can't even see him. Yeah, and that's what was weird to me. It's like I was I was wondering what they were going to be able to do because I I, I know Joe shoots at Savitar earlier and it seems to like deflect off of him or something like that. Uh, so he has a physical presence there, but the fact that they can't see him is still weird. But yeah, Caitlin just kind of freezes what looks like thin air and totally hits Savitar and it totally works. So his speed isn't as different as uh, Barry's in that. So, you know, if, if you take this, the, the the ability for the molecules to vibrate away, then that kind of kills his speed. So there's some kind of link between those two the methods of, of, by which they travel. But it's yeah, but it but it but it's crazy. And, I, and I'm glad they're sticking with that. You know, the cold is the kryptonite, like you said, to uh, to speed, which is which is kind of neat. Yeah. Now, you know, with kind of him being invisible, do you think it's straight up he's invisible? Do you think he's on a different like plane of existence or do you think it's just because his molecules are that fast that like the normal eye can't even see him when he himself is standing, you know, quote unquote, standing still? You know, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe it's something to do with like another 
plane or another reality or something like that. Uh, because you know, alchemy is bringing people's powers from, uh, from flashpoint. And I'm going to think it, it, it has something to do with that. Maybe there's a timeline or something where, uh, Savitar exists and he can only like manifest himself in, in, in a, in a certain way into this timeline and he needs <laughs> alchemy to like bring him forward. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. Wait, wait, I got it. I figured it out. Bell. I know who Savitar is. Who? He's the ghost of Eobard Thawne. <laughs> No, no, no! Hang on, hear me out. Hear me out. I know that I Give always, I know that I always go there. I know that I always Let go, it go there. No, come on, come on. Think about it. He is, he's, he's getting all of these, these people whose, uh, whose, whose stories were erased from time. Well, whose story was erased from time? Freaking Eobard Thawne of season one. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Ghost of Eobard Thawne confirmed. Well, that, that'll be a very, very big question mark that we'll leave next to that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Cam, Cam L in the, uh, in the chat is saying, no, no, stop. Yes. And I know, I know. I got, Hey, I got to throw it in. I got to throw it in from time to time. I'm still, I'm still saying that could, that could come in there. And in all fairness, it does actually kind of work with his MO, but no, I, I don't know that I'm uh, going hardcore on that theory, which probably means that it's true. Uh, I, it does kind of ask the question, of course, is who, who or what is Savitar? Because, I mean, they do establish him as, as something of a, uh, almost, almost like an entity unto himself. You know, he, he says he's the god of speed and, and, but, but I have a feeling, you know, that it's going to be one of these Scooby Doo type moments, you know, pull, pull off the mask and he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for these meddling kids. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that, like I said, Caitlin is able to freeze the, the space around him and then he's able to, of course, break out. It did make me wonder about, you know, is he is he vibrating so fast that perhaps he's on a different plane of existence, which would be very similar to a Flash that we've seen in the comics, a version of Flash, which is the Kingdom Come Flash. Now, in Kingdom Come, Bell, have you read that that graphic novel? I have, but it's been a while. It's on my uh, list of books to reread. Now, the the Kingdom Come Flash, uh, it's it's a really cool visual. And it's kind of this embodiment of the speed force kind of personified and, and kind of a, uh, you know, it looks like a, a human. It looks like a man who's kind of vibrating back and forth. He's completely red. He's got the lightning kind of flowing through him, but he's wearing Jay Garrick's helmet, which looks really awesome. And they describe him as the embodiment of the speed force and also the personification of every flash ever. However, they refer to him very specifically as Wally West. And when we saw Wally, going in and and kind of hatching from the husk after Joe makes the very, very, very bad decision <laughs> of, uh, of intervening and in whatever the, you know, mitosis or metamorphosis that was going on while he breaks out and he is kind of doing that kingdom come uh flash thing where he's vibrating. His entire body is like not quite staying in motion. It's not quite uh, tied to this reality. And I got really stoked that perhaps this was, they were going to do this, that they were actually going to have Wally go full on kingdom come, uh, at least for a while before he learned how to keep his, his presence, his being together. This would also kind of speak to something that was implied, which is that Wally has the potential to even outrun Barry to have, you know, that he can actually be faster than the OG flash. Well, they totally hinted at that by saying, you know, uh, when they're, they're, they're asking, you know, Wally asked how fast he was going and Cisco's saying, you know, oh, well, faster than Barry was at the start. So his baseline was faster than Barry. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're setting it up that Wally's going to be, you know, a, a, a faster speedster. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we finally got him his speed. You know, it was a bit, it was a bumpy road. He went through a yeah. lot of, you know, he was very frustrated. He really, you know, he had this uh, kind of 
uh, idol worship with Barry. He, he, he idolized the flash, uh, in, in terms of, you know, being this hero. He wanted to be a hero too. He wanted to figure out a way that he could help, you know, he's a kid. So he did that in very impractical and at times very destructive ways. Um, but ultimately his heart has always been in the right place. He's done a lot of like the wrong things for all the right reasons. And now he's at a place in his life where, you know, yes, he's got access to the speed force. Yes. He's actually got that, you know, super healing. So he's going to be, uh, to some extent, okay. And, you know, even Barry, who kind of wanted Wally out of it just because he didn't want to see him go in the same direction as what happened in the Flashpoint universe, you know, he's embraced him. And I think there is kind of like this newfound connection between the two of them where they, Wally's talking about, you know, just how much he enjoys feeling the the speed and, and running so fast and what the world feels like. And Barry gets this big, goofy grin on his face because he's like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, this it's is like, the- finally, I have someone I can talk about the speed force with. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when you have a show that you've watched and you and you just want to talk about it so bad, but none of your friends have seen it. And then finally, <laughs> like one of your friends watches it. And you're like, yes, we can talk about this. <laughs> That's how I feel right now with Hamilton, with almost everybody I know. They've not listened to or seen it. And I'm like, no, go do that so we can talk about Hamilton. It's so good. It's the speed force of musicals. The speed force of musical. That's the new tagline. That should be put the it on tagline. every poster. That should be the tagline. In fact, get Grant Gustin in there. He can um he could be the king of uh, England. It'd be great. He has you know Barry has had people that he could talk to before. Of course, he had uh, Jay. Uh, he had the he had the the false Jay, and then he had the real Jay. And so he's 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 had people that he could kind of talk to before. But both of them kind of facilitated mentorship roles. Even you know H.G. Uh, uh, Wells, Harrison, Eobard, whatever you want to call him. Season one, Eobard Dawn. Uh, you know, all of these people have been either malicious or just kind of in kind of parental roles. Jesse Quick, notwithstanding, this is the first time that Barry has been able to really be in a position of like, oh, I, I get to be the teacher now. You know what I mean? Like he, he gets excited because he's got Wally, who, who is a brother, quite literally is a brother to him. Uh, and now he gets to kind of really facilitate that older brother role on a whole new level. And pass on what he has learned. And I think, you know, as as was hinted at, we'll see that Wally may be teaching him a thing or two once uh once he gets going. So I'm I'm excited to see where where Wally goes. I I I hope I know a lot of people from what I've seen on Twitter and otherwise, there's been a lot of criticism for how Wally's story has been handled, uh, both in season two and and carrying on here. I think we're in a new ballgame. And so for those of you who've been a little frustrated with the handling of that character, you know, we're, we're here now. So let's see what happens. I, I'm, I'm really stoked. I, I have personally enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think part of the criticism of characters who are teenagers is that people don't like teenagers. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when a, when a teenager care, when a character who's a teenager is well-written, sometimes that means you're not going to like that character. <laughs> They're going to do yeah. things you disagree with that don't seem to have a lot of forethought in them because sometimes that's what teenagers are. And no offense, by the way, if you yourself are a teenager listening to this and you're like, come on now guys, all right, the two old guys on the podcast are criticizing <laughs> me in my teenage ways. Look, I'm not saying you personally, but I would encourage you in five to 10 years to go back and look at yourself now. And then you might be like, Oh, you know what? With hindsight, probably wouldn't have done some of the things that I did. I get it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All due respect to our teenage audience. Stoked for Wally. Really excited about that. We've got these two nude speedsters that we've talked about. Barry has got a lot going on with a new evil speedster, with a new good speedster. In fact, a lot of what actually kind of has been happening this episode, I mean, obviously his role was really more of finding his footing in terms of uh, being the emotional leader. 
one of the things that was talked about, and actually I, I found it really interesting that this came from HR, is that Barry's power is not speed. His superpower yeah. is hope. Brilliant line. That was a good line. Yeah, great line. Brilliant line. One of the best lines of the series. I may I, I'm really I find it interesting that it came from HR. Uh, but I think maybe that goes to kind of what we've already talked about, that because he's not in the thick of it, he's able to take a step back or, or exist a step back from everybody else and see kind of the grander picture. In many respects, man, that's what Iris has been as well. Uh, she's less so now because she is more in the thick of it. But when she originally came in, she could kind of see this team for what it was and see Barry for who he is without kind of looking at the science behind him and not, and not needing to explain, you know, every little asset of like how, you know, how does he run so fast or how fast can he run? You know, what she has continually brought to the, brought to the team and what we saw even more this episode, HR is now being able to do that as well. And these two very human characters who are kind of connected tissue to the human characters that are not as connected to the team, i.e. Joe are able to kind of explain it to him and the rest of us and say, yes, Barry is a symbol of hope. Yes, he's a speedster. Yes, he's a metahuman. Yes, he can do all of these amazing things. But at his core, what he brings to the equation, he is hope incarnate. And man, I, I got to tell you, when that line came up, I, I stood up and cheered. I was so excited for it. <laughs> well, you know, it's a long time coming, right? Because it's it's they they they've mentioned it kind of in the past, but they they never came straight out and said it. And I, I appreciated that they actually came out and said it. And uh. And and it's also you know it kind of solidifies Iris's role too because like you said you know she she used to have that same kind of HR role of of, of explaining how things you know how things really are but now it's I I think Iris is like Barry's reservoir of hope you know Barry's full mm-hmm. of hope but sometimes even Barry can be uh, overwhelmed by the situation and Iris is always there to you know refill his cup of hope well it's not just him too right i mean we've talked about it before but like she goes in she gives him a pep talk and they she, she gets people out there doing stuff uh, yeah. <laughs> you know she is kind of the the general at the top that can kind of see everything and and get everybody where they need to get so they can go do what they need to do one of the things with barry in particular though is that you know we've talked about him being hope we've talked about him him needing to to be this leader and, and everything else but i feel like this is the first season that we've actually seen that happen. Like we've always known that was part of the core character, right? We've always known that, that was part of the, the, the origins in terms of the, the comic book character and everything else. It's part of who this character should be. But this season we, we see it when he talks down Magenta, right? Like yeah. he, he gives her that pep talk. He's able to connect with her on an emotional level and bring her in by giving her hope. We see that this episode with Caitlin, and with everything that's going on with her, that he's able to tap into her and give her hope despite all of the terrible things. There's a lot of similarities in his dealings with Caitlin in this episode and his dealings with Magenta in the previous episode. And that actually, now that I'm saying it, it's making me realize that comes from this Barry Allen. You know where he gets that, right? I do not. He gets it from Joe. Like he, gets, oh, yeah. he gets that. Well, I mean, Joe and his, and his father as well. I mean, both of his dads have been, you know, kind of beacons of hope in, in his life and they've kind of, you know, really kind of set him up to, to, you know, work for the best. And, and despite all of the tragic things around him to, to, you know, to hope for the best and, and take action on that hope as well. But I'm thinking very specifically of a scene that we saw this, this season with Joe talking to the kit from the monster episode. Basically he, he lays it out for him. Like, you did something really terrible. A lot of people could have gotten really hurt. This is not the way to do this, and you should feel bad about it. And you know, and, and by the way, you're going, you know, you're going to juvie for this. But here's the thing: you're still young. 
you've got plenty of time and you can correct this in your life. Man, that is hope. That is like pure hope right in the middle of a really, really tragic and frustrating situation in in that young man's life. And then you see that it, you know, from Barry, or you see that in Joe and you see that he's been able to pass that along to Barry. I, I guarantee you, man, that that is part and core to what this character is. What they've done in the television flash is kind of established that source of his hope from, you know, his experiences with having Joe as a father, as well as Henry as well. But, but, you know, with Joe being that direct influence. Yes. Yeah, you know, super dad, Joe, <laughs> more and more evidence that, but, that, 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 that is Joe's superpower is that he is, a, is he's a super dad. I'm telling you, except this one, he, he kind of, he was falling short, man. Joe made a lot of rash decisions. <laughs> well, he trusted his gut and I don't know if he needs to trust his gut all the time. Cisco uh, got some, some hard truth laid upon him today. He had a bit of a, a cold revelation, the chilling rev- revelation that came out of this episode. <laughs> chilling revelation. I like it. Man. Okay. So Cisco gets the reveal that in the other world, you know, his brother was alive and that Barry is directly responsible for uh, the death of his brother. Semi directly responsible. No, uh, dude, if, if, if you change the timeline and, and I find out that like, oh, wait, before you change the timeline, you know, somebody that I loved was alive. There, there's the, the common denominator is you that you're, you're the, you're the catalyst in this situation. I thought that Cisco was very justified in his frustration and borderline hatred of Barry. I'm I'm torn by it. I I, I really am because I don't know because it's still okay. So what? What like a drunk driver hit Dante? Is that what it was? Is that I, what they established? I think that's right. Yeah. So, but how much of that is Barry's fault, and how much of that is the guy who decided to drive drunk in that new timeline? Like Barry doesn't have direct control over the timeline. It's just that yeah, was oh, a. Psh, yes, he does. I mean, does he though? Because he went back and he fixed it, and like he he thought he was fixing everything and sending it back to what it was, but he didn't have that precise direct control to reset everything exactly. How okay, it was I see to what be. you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So so yes, he went back in time. Yes, he had control over that. But then again, is it Barry's fault or is it the guy who got drunk and decided to drive's fault? In the end, in the end. Yes, Barry was responsible for the timeline change, but had that guy in this new timeline decided not to do that, Dante would still be alive. I would actually say that it's almost the equivalent of the drunk driver because the guy who got behind the car didn't set out to intend to kill Cisco's brother. He just made it. He made a very he made a very deadly and dangerous and foolish decision based on his desires at the time. Sounds like Barry to me. Sounds like (laughs) sounds like Flashpoint to me. So, That's a fair point. Yeah, I would Barry s- was very selfish and he made a reckless decision and it resulted in a, a butterfly effect of this guy also making a reckless decision and killing Dante. I got to tell you, man, when Cisco told him, like when Barry came in and he was like, sorry, man, are we going to be okay? Like that, that little, that was upsetting to me. I was like, dude, Barry, you, you need to realize the, the weight of what you really have done. Which, by the way, nobody's mentioning the fact that you killed, like, from the same standpoint, you you wiped out Diggle's daughter from existence. Nobody's talking about that. (laughs) But but he gave Diggle a son. So you're saying he 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 taketh, but he also createth. (laughs) Yes, Barry taketh, Barry giveth as as well. (laughs) Oh man. All right, but but seriously though, like when when Cisco does tell him, like you know, or when Barry asks, "Are we going to be okay?" and Cisco says, "Honestly, I don't know." I thought that was probably the best possible answer in that moment. Because if I was Cisco, I would probably say no. I would probably just be like, honestly, no, we are not going to be okay. That is something that I cannot get over. 
and I, their relationship is going to be different now and that, that it should be different with this revelation. Um, you know, they made the right decision originally, which was to not discuss flashpoint, but you know, somebody decided to change all the rules. Somebody yeah. who, uh, perhaps let, uh, let things slip, uh, in, in her right mind, she would never let things slip. However, things got a little, a little frosty. A lot of chilling, <laughs> chilling revelations were passed out by one Killer Frost, which is, of course, the uh, the name of this episode and the uh, the character, the Caitlin. You know, we've been wanting Caitlin to start going down the dark path for quite some time. And uh, where to even start? What was your overall take on Caitlin's transition to Killer Frost? Well, it was interesting. Uh, she saves Barry. And so by using her powers to save somebody ends up making her lose her mind and like succumb to these powers. And I, I thought that was that was an, that was an interesting uh, motif there. Right. Because, you know, she has this desire to help, but she knows if she uses her powers, it's a bad thing and it's going to be more you know harder and harder for her to control them. And they end up controlling her. But in the end, do they really? We still haven't seen the the vibe killer frost battle. We still don't know what that's about. We still don't even know if it's going to happen. No, and I, I want to point out the battle that we did see between the two of them. She was she was firing warning shots. She was never firing a kill shot at Cisco. I want to make I want to make sure that that was clear. Um, yeah. That like during that fight, those were all warning shots. Every single one of them. Yeah, and it wasn't in the woods where the the vibe took place. Um, and you know because that's the thing is like vibe had to use his powers to destroy the the blast as they were coming in the, the little icicle things right, right. uh to save himself and he didn't have to do that here because like you said she was shooting warning shots she was trying to get him to go away it's interesting to me that caitlin you know she's done all the science that she can she sees that alchemy can give people powers so she, you know i i guess her, her in her mind then the nearest solution there is well maybe alchemy can take mine away if he can give them to people maybe he can take him away he created and, and, and he taketh away yeah, exactly. And and I like Barry's, you know, response where he's like, you don't know that. And she's like, well, neither do you. <laughs> you know, you don't know that he can't. So, you know, until we test it, get out of my face, basically. And so it's it's interesting because, you know, Cisco kind of embraced his powers. He was more, eventually, you know, he was scared at first. Eventually. Eventually, right. He was scared at first, but eventually he embraced those powers. And I guess Caitlin is more scared of them because of what she saw on Earth 2. And so that fear is kind of manipulating her. I think the fear is, is, is controlling her more than the powers are. Yeah, and there's a little debate going on right now, right? About kind of, you know, this this transition of this mentality of, of what is what is it actually driving Caitlin? Um, is it really like the powers are making her evil? The way that I interpreted like her transition as it relates to the powers is kind of like... Um, Emma Frost from the X-Men. Yeah. All right. You're familiar with the character. Mm -hmm. uh, she has like psychic abilities, but she also has a secondary uh, power, secondary mutation, as it were, which is that she can, her entire form, her entire body can turn to diamonds. And what yes. they established with that is that when she does that, when she slips into this diamond mode, it doesn't just affect her physically, but it also affects her emotionally. It like hardens her emotionally. I think that what we're seeing with uh, Caitlin in terms of the powers is that while she's activating her powers, it's kind of a similar thing. It's not just impacting her physically, but it's also like making her emotionally cold. There is kind of that, that, um, 
the emotional nature of kind of like the frozen heart, right? Kind of the thematic yeah. nature of, of, you know, being cold towards someone, uh, by, by being kind of withholding or lashing out in some sort of like frosty way, one way or the other. I think that's what's going on. It's not so much that like powers equal you go crazy. And I don't think that she's going crazy here. I think that she is becoming emotionally cold, that she is going to lash out, that she is actually going to speak her mind. And it is to some extent like, you know, I'm going to at this point, I can't stop it. This is what I am. This is who I am. And I'm going to push you away. All of the shots fired at Cisco, all of them were warning shots. She only hurt Barry because she knew that Barry could heal. She wasn't trying to kill anybody. And when Barry and she even kissed him to incapacitate him, that's a nice way to like incapacitate somebody. <laughs> I tell you what, man, I take that. I take that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, but the thing is, man, like, you know, when it came down to that moment, and this is where that bright shining moment of hope comes in, where we have Caitlin, who is emotionally cold. She is the embodiment of hopelessness right in that moment. And we have Barry, who is the embodiment of hope. And he says, if you're a killer, kill me. And that's when, that's when she gets to the point where she's like, no, I'm not. He's as emotionally cut off as I am, as terrible things as I have done. I can't cross that line at this point. Now, I would argue that at some point we will see her get there. Um, you know, she has a way now to, to shut down emotionally with her powers. She has a way to lash out at the world with her powers. She's got, let, let's just say, man, that we've got, uh, we've got, we've got the, we've got the vodka. We've got the mint. We've got the uh, simple syrup. We've got all the recipe for the cocktail here. I think we're going to have a pretty killer frost mojito. We just need somebody to shake it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, muddle muddle the mint a little bit. Muddle, muddle it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but I mean, like, I don't know. Are they going to go the route where she's destined to be a bad person? Or, or could she be like an antihero kind of, kind of thing? Uh... Maybe. And I mean, like, I think, again, with a name like Killer Frost, it's hard to it's hard to make that person a hero. Um, yeah. With, with killer in the name, uh, you know, and and yeah, there there has been kind of a bit of a campaign that that people want her to be the big bad of this season. Now, I would actually argue against that in this season. I would love to see a Killer Frost as a big bad of perhaps next season. I think that that you know she being kind of the uh, the architect of some sort of evil plot is a good place for her to end up. I don't think we're there yet. I think what what Barry, about yeah. if next season she brings the rogues together and we have a season of of Barry fighting the rogues? See, I, again, I, I don't know that she can be the leader of the rogues. Keller Frost, uh, she's she's not really a joiner. Like, well, she's not really like a general type of person. She's very much kind of a, a force of nature. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I can see her teaming up with the rogues. I can't see her being the one that brings them together. Yeah. Unless she was going to kill them. Ooh. What? Kill the rogues? (laughs) Yeah. What if she she did bring them all together and then she killed them? Killer Frost. (laughs) There's your anti-hero, I suppose. Um, But, yeah, I don't see that happening. I don't see yeah. it happening. Um, you know, I, I would love at some point for her to uh, to do a te- team up down the road with Captain Cold. I think that's just it's too obvious not to go that route. Um, we have to get him back alive at some point. But that's a that's a issue for Legends of Tomorrow to figure out. And I do think that what we're going to see is, you know, so far with Savitar, she's the only one who's been effective at stopping him. 
So I think what what will end up playing out is probably her being the the hero of this season, which will make her fall, her ultimate fall, all that more uh, felt. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because you know they they say that uh, uh, Avatar showed one of those acolytes the future where Caitlyn was like powerful and bad, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, that that there's got to be something there where she's going to betray him and 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 uh you know mess up his plans so that everybody's like yay caitlin's not killer frost then all of a sudden she becomes killer frost and like ow didn't see that coming let's talk about those acolytes specifically the one who is running the show dr alchemy so interestingly enough i did briefly this episode think that maybe it wasn't julian because we were introduced to the uh the character uh, greg grunberg's character um, I can't remember. He was like a police chief or something. A detective. Yeah. A detective who, uh, you know, is, is as we understand it, is going to be a reoccurring character on the series. Kind of knew that going in. And so when I saw him, I thought, oh, okay, all right, we've got a new, like a new fresh face. Maybe this is somebody else who might be in the running for Dr. Alchemy. But of course, no, <laughs> they said, <laughs> I, I was actually very glad that we got the reveal this early into the game uh, that of course, Julian against his will, is Dr. Alchemy that, you know, we we've talked about it before, but, but he is being controlled, manipulated or forced by Savitar to be his tool, uh, to go around creating these husks, these people, uh, connecting them with their, their previous timeline selves. Now, Julian seemed very tortured about it. Yeah. And it seemed like Savitar was using the same techniques that Julian uses as Dr. Alchemy to get people to come to him. Hmm. So I don't know if that's like a power grant sort of thing where uh, Savitar gives him the ability to talk telepathically to people and coerce them to do things. But, yeah, it was very similar seeing Julian go be, you know, I I guess coerced into becoming Alchemy again in the same way that Wally was coerced to go to Alchemy's lair. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't even think about that. Do you think it's – is Savitar speaking through Julian? Because it almost seems like a very different persona. And even when he's about to put on the mask, it's like he doesn't even want to do it. Like he doesn't even want to like be that Dr. Alchemy thing. They sound the same. Alchemy and Savitar sound the same. There is kind of a similarity there. They may they may, they may be the same voice. Like I, that's why I'm starting to think that there's something sketchy about Savitar. And, and he can't fully interact with, with our plane of existence. But he can, it, it seems, well, he can interact with Barry, but maybe that's because well, Barry is, yeah, because Barry's connected to the speed force or something different about Barry. Right, right. Well, but you mentioned the, the bullet bounced off. Yeah, that's true. It did, it did appear as if it, I, I yeah, and I, I need to go rewatch it just to make a hundred percent sure it didn't just like pass through or something. But then again, you just through. shot Barry. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, watch that in HD. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's like, I feel like, Alchemy is a conduit through which Savitar can manipulate people in, in, in our world. Like he uses alchemy oh, as a conduit. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, all right. So interesting concept that alchemy is somehow that, that Savitar is actively like physically maybe possessing him in some way. Yeah. 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 Like speaking through him, channeling himself through alchemy because like, like you know because it's unwilling right like i julian doesn't want to be alchemy he's being forced to do it so it would make sense to me that like he's just using julian as a conduit for some reason oh, somehow there's something special about julian where he can channel himself through him okay that right there my friend that is going to bring us to this week's speedster speculation 
All right, so we've we've talked about this a little bit, but you know the the idea of these husks, these these cocoons that even Wally himself was being part of. Like we're trying to figure out like what 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 is the end game? Why why are why would uh, alchemy now Savitar want all of these people to to metamorphosize into their flashpoint counterparts? Why would he want more superpowered people? Especially why the interest in Wally when we know that Wally's a good guy? What if Bell? What if Savitar is looking for a host? What if he is looking for uh, someone that he can possess in this reality, in our plane of existence? And the reason why he wanted Wally specifically is that he wants to possess a speedster. Well, because he is, you know, the Hindu god of motion. It would make sense to possess a speedster. Right, right. Well, I mean, like, you know, he's been going around and like what they did. They did it with Rival. Right, so Rival was a speedster. Yeah, but then Rival failed. Uh, who else? Do we know who else has been husked? Well, the uh, Magenta was husked. Um, who else? There, there's, there's been like four, right? There's been a or couple s- of them, but but that's the thing. Like maybe maybe he's going around and getting all these people because he wants to like find he, he the he, most powerful metahumans so right. that he can possess that one, right? I never thought about it from that standpoint that like he can't like that he's using like he is either speaking through or since he can't physically interact with anybody other than Barry, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe he wants to find some a way to get back into our plane of uh, existence or just to get into our plane of existence. Yeah, like there's something about him. It's been throwing me off. And the fact that Joe can shoot him and that Caitlin can freeze him is interesting. But. He still doesn't seem to do anything to anybody else other than Barry. Then again, there's the other thing, right? That we have the husks that we've dealt with, but Wally didn't come out of a husk. I mean, yes, I he didn't did. See it. Yes, he did. I mean, well, he he had a cocoon, but there wasn't like a, a a shed human skin that we saw with everybody else. See, all right, maybe maybe this is me misunderstanding, but I thought the cocoon was the husk. Well, because remember, if you see, you know, we, we, we've seen the husks and they're, they're, they look like they're human shaped, you know, it's like a shed skin. Uh, yeah, but, but that's the thing. Like, isn't that cocoon, like the cocoon itself looked like some sort of organic skin covering type deal. It did. It did. But what I'm guessing is that like they come out of the cocoon and then shed their skin. Like it's two separate things. Oh, interesting. No, I, I kind of, I assumed that that husk was. Cause yeah, there, there's the, what the scene by the riverbank would be the most prominent one. I think you yeah, would yeah, see. Yeah. Cause like. With the one with the riverbank, you're right. He, it's, it's, it's a second. It's just the skin, huh? There's no like huskiness about it. No, but, but, but wouldn't, well, in the scent that the skin is what they're referring to, even as a husk. Um. Well, because they refer to the big thing as the cocoon. Interesting. So he never. So Wally never shed his skin. So maybe he never fully finished metamorphosizing. Yeah, which makes me wonder if that's going to screw up Savitar's plans. Maybe. Because it, 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 is there something different between the husked people and like breaking someone out of a cocoon? Mm. So Joe's reckless decision may have been an actually a really good decision. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm thinking. It's, it's, if the process had completed and he had finished his like real metamorphosis, perhaps Savitar or Alchemy or somebody would, would have control over him in some in some regard. Well, in that case, maybe it's not even... You know, maybe it's not. I still think that Wally was connected to the Speed Force before Flashpoint. Like when he and Jesse got hit, I feel like that gave him like like he got hit by the lightning, which was Barry. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's the same, that's the same thing that gave Jesse her powers. I think that, that he was like the metagenes were activated or, or they all like all of the right check marks got clicked. He just wasn't powered on. Like nobody switched it on. So all, all of the, the wires were in, but nobody's, nobody's turned the power on yet. Maybe, maybe the shock is what turned on his power set. Um, so that his, he never huskified or whatever, however you want to make, <laughs> metamorphosized <laughs> yeah, to his flash, fast point self, which would also explain why we see him kind of, you know, shimmering back and forth, right? He's not, he's not stable because yeah. he never would, whatever it was that Savitar wanted to happen, never finished, never finished. Huh? Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, obviously, before the season's over, we'll get a little bit more of an explanation as to the biology of the husk and the cocoon and everything else. But um, yeah, I, I do but, think. But, but as it stands right now, though, I, I, I do think that there's something different about Savitar that he can't fully project himself or realize himself in our specific timeline. That he's using these husks to find the most powerful metahuman in which to inhabit as a host, maybe. Is, is, is what I'm thinking. And the fact that Wally was broken out of his cocoon before he could husk makes it so that he was, uh, you know, he, he, the, the powers that he would have had, he got quicker than he normally would have in this timeline because mm-hmm. he pulled, they, they pulled that power from the flashpoint uh, timeline and gave it to him prematurely. So yeah, I, I, I'm going to be interested to see what they're going to do with that. And if that's going to affect something, if we're going to see like evil Wally or something like that, uh, uh, if, if by evil Wally you mean like a possessed Wally or something? Yeah, like something of that nature. Or, or if if they'll explain it, the fact that he can't be possessed because the the process never finished. Like I'm not sure where they're gonna go with it. But uh, but yeah, I I do think that Savitar, there's something special about him. He's not using the Speed Force. He's using something different. He's manipulating space and time, and uh, definitely time. Because I mean, like like you know, you mentioned the acolyte said you know, he, he got a vision of the future. Like, like, you know, Savitar has some sort of knowledge about the future and maybe, maybe what he showed them was actually flashpoint. Like, and that's the thing he's saying, like, look, this is the world. This is the future of flashpoint. I want to bring flashpoint to this earth. Um, because reasons, but I don't know, man, what you're telling me is, and I I think you're onto something here is that we're dealing with the Savitar who has, uh, who is is kind of like in this ghostly need of possessing someone who has knowledge of the future, and uh, and is really interested in bringing people who got erased from time back into existence. Yeah, like like you do, like Eobard Thon, the ghost of Eobard Thon. <laughs> That's the ghost of Eobard Thon. That's what I'm just saying. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. The ghost of Eobard Thon is Savitar. It's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. All right, man. Well, great, uh, great speedster speculation. You know the greatest thing to go along with speedster speculation, especially on a Sunday morning. What's that? I want a cup of delicious bean fruit coffee. Delicious. Yeah, man. Beanfruit.com is the place to go for some amazing coffee roasts. If you've not checked them out yet, you absolutely should. Beanfruit.com, again, is the place to go. Um, I have been enjoying some of their, one of their uh, lighter roasts that has been delicious. They've got this uh, old route, uh, which is kind of a darker roast that is also really, really good. Check them out. It's um, really, really fine stuff. I actually, I've mentioned it before. I've had a tour of their roastery and it was absolutely gorgeous. The the fun thing, man, is that um, after that tour, the owner let me walk away with uh, a couple of these uh, burlap coffee bags from like all over oh, the world. Nice. Yeah. And so we just moved the, uh, the podcasting studio, Pottery Studios 
And, uh, and so we've got kind of a larger space, but I need to line it with noise cancellation stuff. So I now have like coffee bags hanging all around the studio. <laughs> I've seen the pictures. They're awesome. Big thanks to the people at Beanfruit. Uh, again, if you go to beanfruit.com, use the code podcast. That'll give you 5% off from ordering some delicious coffee for the next time that you are sitting back and enjoying an episode of The Flash. Beanfruit.com podcast for 5% off. <laughs> Hey, this is Patrick Sabongi, and you're listening to Flash TV Talk. That's the sound of the police in my hood! <laughs> All right, man, we got some great listener feedback. And uh, Jason Ruiz, 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 Jason Ruiz writes in, and this is what he said. Hello, hosts. I'm a new listener via Starkville House of L. Longtime listener. You recently mentioned the pers- uh, you recently mentioned the possibility of Savitar having more a relation to time and not speed itself, and furthermore discuss the difference between the colors of the lightning. Savitar, like Zoom, had blue lightning, and Zoom, in the comics, uh, was actually not running fast, but instead manipulated time to appear faster. Uh, Could there be something there? Most recently, I have been listening to your Flash TV talk, DC Legends TV talk, and can't help but wish I had access to the backlog of Era TV talk. Uh, Any hope on bringing that show back? Again, that is from Jason. Uh, Jason, great, uh, great feedback on here. Couple of things to dissect. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're definitely onto something with um, there being kind of a, a time element to Savitar. I think you know maybe they are pulling from the Zoom origin stories that this is dealing with somebody who himself is stuck out of time. Um, you know, yeah. and, and maybe that's it. Maybe what what he's husking towards is to find somebody that will will be the host that will bring him into our time. Um, so yeah, definitely something there with that. You know, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the feedback and on, on flash TV talk and DC TV talk and all that great stuff. Arrow TV talk, uh, for those kind of newer <laughs> listeners that was, uh, we did that. We did uh, season one arrow retrospective during the off season as a, as a reward for a, a fundraiser campaign that we had at the time, uh, to help us make this show happen. And, um, you know, we did season one and, uh, in order for season two to happen, we would almost have to go back in time in some form or fashion. Uh, I'm not saying it will never happen. Not saying it will never happen. But let me let me just put it this way: in the off season, there may be some options that uh, we'll let you guys decide in terms of <laughs> Arrow season, uh, Arrow TV talk, or perhaps Young Justice TV talk. Ooh, season three, season three. We uh, but yeah, Arrow TV talk. Um, if you, uh, I tell you what, buddy, email me, uh, Bo at or what is it, uh, Flash at Potisteri and I will hook you up with the uh, the RSS feed for those uh, for those episodes if you want to uh, go back and listen to that. And uh, for everybody else, coming back maybe one day. I don't know. <laughs> it depends on if we change the timeline or not. Yeah, yeah. We'd have to turn back anyway. Uh, <laughs> we also got an iTunes. We review. can find a way. <laughs> <laughs> we also got an iTunes review, and you want to take that one? Uh, yes, yeah, from Reformed Baptist Holy Flashers. An amazing podcast. Listen to it while uh, listen to it wearing nothing but a trench coat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I listened to all the season one in about a week. I can't wait to listen to the season two. Thanks, guys. So very much. Oh, that's great. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank you, Reformed Baptist. That that that's excellent. I I love the puns. And uh it's winter now, so it's getting a little bit chilly. So you may want to to, to wear something more than a trench coat uh, yeah, we, <laughs> the next we, time you listen. But hey, you know what? To each their own. <laughs> we do, we do not we do not endorse uh, <laughs> we do not endorse listening to us with nothing on but a trench coat. But uh, we also do not judge. Well, hey, you know what? 
yeah, you know, in, in your own home, do whatever you want. <laughs> we, uh, we, we do not judge. All right. So I uh, also want to give a uh, shout out to uh, some feedback that we got from Joyce, Joyce HC, uh, who felt that last week's episode was a little bit lacking uh, in terms of our pre-show prep. And I want to just say that she was right. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was sick going into last week's episode, which was part of it. But uh, but overall, even after we were done, I kind of felt like last week's episode was a little bit of lacking in terms of uh, what we could have done in preparation. So just a shout out. We see you. We appreciate the uh, the feedback. And hopefully uh, in the next coming episodes, we'll be able to meet your expectations and uh, and you will uh, do do us the uh, the favor or do us the honor of, of uh, reflecting that and and your feedback as well. Um, we also speaking of the coupling weeks, man, we've got the major crossover episode happening with Flash and Arrow and Legends and, and Supergirl. And here's how we are going to tackle it for you guys. Given that, you know, each episode, each series is going to have its own episode in this crossover. What we are going to do, us being Flash TV Talk, um, Tuesday night after the Flash airs, uh, almost immediately after the episode is done, we are going to jump directly into recording the podcast. It'll be right in the moment. It'll be very fresh. The format may be a little bit different because we won't have the time to do the uh, the pre-show prep and all that kind of good stuff, but it'll be very much a reaction to that episode in the entire series. It'll not have any kind of fore- foreknowledge in terms of like what's coming down with uh, with other you know other episodes in in the uh, in the connected story, it'll just be that particular Flash episode and perhaps um, some of what came before as well. But mostly, it'll just be at that moment in time in the crossover. Now, that's going to be what we're going to do. Then on Friday night, we will be recording at least one, if not both of us, will be recording with other podcasters across uh, uh, the DC TV universe fandom. Uh, talking about the overall crossover event. It's going to be hosted by Supergirl TV Talk. And um, like I said, one, if not both of us will be there. Hopefully, Bell will be there so he can kind of bring some of that Legends knowledge with him. Uh, I, I believe I should be there. Okay, good, good. And so that will be released on their feed. And I think we will also be able to release that on our feed as well. So um, be on the lookout. We will have that available as soon as we have it available, but for all intents and purposes, next week is going to be a little bit different for that reason, which means that uh, we should be able to get the episode out a lot quicker to you uh, to enjoy before, like right in the middle of this major DC TV crossover. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you go along with us for that. We're really excited about it. looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Heroes versus Aliens. <laughs> it's going to be a, it's going best to be- crossover or team up ever. I feel right? like that was should have been a Cisco line. I know we're not there yet and everything, and I'm not going to critique based on uh, just a preview, but that did seem like a, uh, a Cisco line. I think so, too. Because <laughs> uh, Felicity's trying to out-Felicity out Cisco. That's, the, that's what it seems like. Out-Cisco Cisco. No, Cisco's been out-Felicitying Felicity, so now, <laughs> so now Felicity needs to out-Cisco Cisco. Exactly. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> She's got to stay relevant. Look, we'll be live tweeting that and hopefully live tweeting some of the other uh, episodes in the, in the crossover as well. So follow us at flash TV talk. You can also follow our personal accounts as well. You can follow bell at ring that bell. You can follow me at the real Bo York. But if 140 characters isn't enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podestery.com. That's P O D A S T E R Y.com. And for the latest news and daily discussions on all things Flash, be sure to like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Flash TV Talk. And as always, special thanks to Charlie Bach, who provides our outro music. You can check out his stuff at soundcloud.com slash Charlie Bach. 
sure to review us on iTunes. We give away a free digital comic every time we get a multiple of 10. So we need a few more to get there. Go ahead over to iTunes again. We're looking for those four and five star reviews. Really greatly appreciate it when you guys do that. Subscribe to the show on the Satchel Podcast Player. A great way to support the show. You got a donate button right there in the player itself. Send us a few dollars. Show us some love. Also, you can support some other things that we do, including the Brogues webcomic, thebrogues.com, where we are having a fun alternate reality story going on right now. What is Fast Point? Well, it's exactly what it sounds like. So go check it out. Thebrokes.com. Uh, become a patron over there to help support all of the crazy, wacky things that we do. Really appreciate it. That's going to do it for this week, guys. But don't worry. We'll be back in a flash.
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.